Hello and welcome to the week two episode of the Jumbo Package NFL Podcast. I'm Sonny Giuliano, and I'm being joined by a reeling, pushing through the pain, embracing the Mamba mentality, Paul Michael Clark. Paulie, how you hanging in there, buddy? Oh, you know, it's, it's kind of... It's been a fight these last couple of days, but uh, you know, started to started to get a little better. So, yeah, I, I feel for you. Um, at least football is back, and you know, it's, I, I always joke with Maria that the best remedy for whenever you're not feeling good, if you're sad about something, if you've got a stomach ache, if you've got a headache, you know, if you're just feeling down, the best thing to do is just watch some football. And thank God, uh, the NFL is finally back. How did you how did you celebrate the first Sunday of football? What did you do? Anything special? Nothing special. I actually that about halfway through Sundays when I started feeling kind of crappy again. So, uh, you know, just kind of hung out, watched, enjoyed the red zone, um, watched watched a few dominating performances. I gotta tell you, there's some teams that really impressed me on Sunday at uh, Sunday night. You know, I, th- I think, you know, safe to say the Patriots are going to be just fine this year. And, <laughs> Seems that and, uh, That Monday, I just, you know, it was a joy. What a doubleheader that Monday night. It was almost perfect for you. You almost got the Deshaun win and the Raiders win. I guess the next best thing for you would be Deshaun putting in arguably his best performance in the NFL given – the stage and, you know, the, the national audience watching and on the road in New Orleans first game of the year and leading the Texans to that go-ahead touchdown with under a minute left. And then right after that, you get to watch your Raiders go to 1-0. So I imagine it had to be a very fun Monday night for you. Um, it definitely was. We have a lot to talk about, so let's dive in. Uh, some of the things that we didn't get to do last week that we do on a regular basis each week on this podcast are top six, bottom six, where we just go over who we think are the top six teams in the league and the worst six teams in the league. And then every week we do the weekly worst, who was uh, just deciding on who was the worst quarterback of the previous week. And as we laid out on the last pod, uh, we've extended that to a number of different individuals, but the criteria it usually works out where it's the worst quarterback. So let's start with our top six. Um, you know, as you said, there were a lot of dominant performances on Sunday. Some teams really stood out. Um, to me, I, I look at it like this. So before the season, we each made our playoff predictions. And Six of the eight teams that I had advancing to the divisional round or beyond got a win on, on well, I guess not just on Sunday, but in week one. They're 1-0 at this point. So to me, I'm not going to overreact to much. I am just going to keep those six teams as my top six. Um, so for me, in no particular order, I have New England, Kansas City, Baltimore, Philadelphia, the Los Angeles Rams, and the Green Bay Packers. Who in that group would you take out, if anybody? Who did you say? I'm sorry. It's fine. Uh, New England? Let's do it team by team. New England. We both agree on that. 
yeah, to me, they were the best team of week one. I'm with you. If, if I had to do it in order, ranking every team uh, one through six, New England would be my number one. Yeah. Uh, number uh, Then Kansas City? They'd be in there, yes. Philadelphia? Mm. Slow start, but, man, they did put it together late. Um, I would say yes. Again, I'm just I'm only going based on the six teams in my last eight in the playoffs who got wins. Um, yeah. So um, basically, basically that bumped out it bumped out Chicago and Cleveland. Yeah, and I'll and everyone sure. else everyone else in my divisional round and beyond got a win. So Philadelphia, you're with me. I think so. That they're a question mark. The Chiefs in New England. Definitely in. Philly, I'm just going to set to the side for a minute. Sure. Because they were just, I I was expecting, they got hot. I will tell you that. I did like the way they started, but they did finish well. So that that was good. The The beginning of the game wasn't very promising. And, you know, it's that, that was a weird game because they were losing 17 nothing. They ended up being up by 12, and then Washington got the backdoor cover. So the final score was 32-27. It was was a five-point difference. In some ways, it was closer than that based on the first 30 minutes of the game. And then other ways, it felt like they should have won by even more. So it it was a weird up-and-down game. Uh, But just... Out of principle, I'll keep them in my top six. The the Rams. I got I, I did like the way uh, the Wentz, the Deshaun Jackson competition looked on Sunday. Yeah, and we'll we'll get into that more. But I found it pretty interesting that Deshaun is now alone in number two all time for fifty yard or more touchdown receptions. That that's amazing. But it also yeah, kind of makes sense. Yeah. Um, the Rams. Rams were Rams were good. Um, special teams was a little lackluster, but team wise, team wise, they looked good. They dominated the game. I thought. Uh, Green Bay. Oh, Green Bay was solid. That defense was much better than I was anticipating. Um. They they definitely impressed me. And then my last one would be Baltimore. And we obviously have different feelings about the Baltimore Ravens. It's well documented. Um, they they definitely look good though. I'll give them that. Well, at least, at least there's some praise on your end. I I'll take that. Um, there's there's two teams that that stick that I thought were. Pretty good on Sunday. One was the Cowboys. I thought the way they spread the ball around was great. I think Zeke will just get better. I mean, that offensive line is really good. Again, you know, you could say the same thing about them. You could say against the Ravens that, you know, competition wasn't great, you know. So let's see how they how they play against better competition. And another yeah, it, one. No. Go ahead. Another one I gotta say, Minnesota was mm-hmm. 
I mean, they they ran the ball really well, and their defense looked really good. Yeah, those would be the two honorable mentions. Those are the easy ones. And to to go back to the point you made about Dallas, and, and it's tied to Baltimore, too. You know, the, there's nothing teams can do about the schedule. You just have to you, – you play the teams that you oh, yeah. are scheduled to, va- to face. And what I liked about Baltimore and Dallas is that there was no messing around in either of those games. They both took care of business. They both looked really good doing it. And both of those offenses, offenses that we had question marks about, you know, we, we weren't sure what Lamar Jackson would be in year two. We weren't sure that Dak would be significantly improved with Kellen Moore calling the plays. For the time being, both of those guys answered those questions. And that was all I was looking for out of either of those two teams was you have these layups on the schedule, just go out there and kick ass. And they both did. Yeah, and let's give let's give some credit to Kellen Moore for his first yep. game calling plays. Man, he he dialed up some good ones and spread the wealth. Everybody got a little taste for the Cowboys on Sunday. Yeah, you know we've been you and I have been very critical of Dak Prescott over over the last few years that we've been doing this podcast, but I do think it, it's probably worth mentioning and wondering moving forward. Is it possible that he's just been shackled by really bad offensive play callers and not great weapons on the perimeter. And now that he has someone who is thinking about the game with with a 2019 mindset calling the plays, and now that he has Amari Cooper and Michael Gallup, and he still has that run game with Zeke Elliott, Maybe he is the guy. Maybe he is a guy who should be getting paid $30 million a year to, to be the starting quarterback of the Cowboys. That is something that I don't think we could rule out um, when maybe a year ago that suggestion would have seemed absolutely crazy. Um, but again, this is something that we'll have to keep an eye on as the Cowboys get into better competition throughout the year. Um but I'm with you. I, I think aside from the six that I named, those two, Dallas and Minnesota, are the the safe, honorable mention choices. Um, let's go to bottom six. To me, this felt pretty basic, actually. Um, Miami. <laughs> we, we should start there. Uh, the one team in the NFL who is truly actively attempting to be bad. Um, and they were so bad on Sunday that apparently there were multiple players in that locker room who contacted their agents and requested trades uh, to get out of there, to, to get off of this sinking ship. So they're, they're safely at the bottom of the bottom six. Yeah. Uh, the New York Giants, I think we can agree on. Yes. Uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Jameis Stilstings. We'll get to Jameis. I have a lot to say. Um, I have Detroit and Arizona in my bottom six. I I watched... They they showed a lot of that game on the Red Zone channel in in the late afternoon slate just because it it ran later than every other one. Um, And it, it was... You know, there's intrigue with Kyler Murray. 
and it just seemed like they were on that a lot. I wasn't impressed with either of those two teams. I was impressed with what Kyler did in the fourth quarter, don't get me wrong. But I would not be surprised if at the end of the year those two were both picking in the top six in the draft. How about the Giants? Yeah, uh, they they are next on my list, the Giants for sure. Um, they, it, you know, it was weird. They put together one good drive at the beginning of the game. Saquon well, left one off. I mean, let's um, just say how it is. I mean, that guy is a man-child. Like, if I'm the Giants, I'm giving him, like, 60 fucking a game. Like, how do you have it third and one and throw, and then have it fourth and one and say, you know what, let's let's throw it again. <laughs> I just, it beats me, man. I, I don't know. You you have more experience as a play caller than I do. You, I mean, at least you, you've done it at the high school level. I I don't get it. I really don't. Uh, and you know, I I'm gonna put that some of that on my own team too. Who they, they I think play callers they just have a tendency to get a little too cute sometimes. And I know it's not in style to just line up and. Uh, shameless plug, the jumbo package, and run the ball straight ahead and just try to get one yard. With the best running back in the NFL. Right, especially, I mean, especially when you have a guy like Saquon. I mean, you scared to hear. Yeah. No, he had something like 12 rushing attempts. I mean, come on. It's crazy. Um, so, yes, the Giants are in my bottom six. And I think the last one, I guess the last one I struggled with a bit. I said Denver. Um, I, I didn't I didn't come away from that Monday night game against Oakland thinking that they did anything particularly well. Um, you know, there were certainly teams that looked worse in week one. My, my Bears, uh, you know, I'll throw that out there. Pittsburgh on Sunday night. Um, Atlanta against Minnesota. But just in terms of overall talent, I think those three teams are are much more talented than the Denver Broncos are. So I would have Denver as my last team in my bottom six. How about you? Uh, I'm always good to put in Denver in the the shitty team club. I hate Denver. (laughs) The shitty team club. Let's actually change that. We'll do top six and shitty team club from now on. I'm adjusting that in my... Uh, well, we we kind of touched on this weekly worst. Um, there there were some there are multiple candidates. Uh, my my Bears quarterback Mitchell Trubisky was not good on Thursday night. He looked overwhelmed at times. He threw at least four balls that should have been intercepted. He only had one interception. Um, he wasn't Mitch. He no. No, you, I, see, I was bothered that you were calling him Maserati Mitch all week. Yeah. And he was like, he was my beat down 2005 Sable in 2013 Mitch. <laughs> that That's what he was on Thursday night. Oh, boy. Uh, ben Roethlisberger. Terrible. Not good on not good on Sunday night football. Did you know his middle name is Todd? Well, I was unfamiliar with that. <laughs> Benja- Benjamin Todd Roethlisberger. Yeah, they call it BTR. BTR. 
he was not good. Uh, to me, the the runner up in this category was Baker Mayfield. Oh yes, I was, I was just going to say that Baker Mayfield was awful. Three interceptions in the fourth quarter, one kick six. This was a performance that nine times out of ten will win the weekly worst. That's how bad he was in that fourth quarter. But the runaway winner, and I, I really don't think you you will dispute this, Jameis Winston who had the very rare pick 12, two pick sixes, a 45.4 passer rating. Uh, It is his 17th game in his career with multiple interceptions. That is a problem because he's only started 55 games in his career. That means 30% of the time when he starts a game at quarterback, he is going to throw multiple interceptions. Look at I, you know, I, what? That's not a good percentage. No, no, not at all. Um, you know, look, I, I've been done with Jameis for a while and you have too, but now I'm really done entertaining the idea that with the right coach or the right system that he can turn it around because he's stunk since he came into the NFL and he, on Sunday, had the chance with under three minutes left. The Bucks are down six. They're in their home opener. It's the first game under Bruce Arians. This is a chance to get off on the right foot, a chance for Jameis to rewrite his story. Nah, fam, just another pick six. Yeah, let me just throw another one. I'm done with him. What was, um, the, classic, what was the classic minute of the day was when I – messaged you, Jameis still stinks, and I did not even know approximately 10 10 seconds earlier, you tweeted, Jameis still stinks. (laughs) Word for word. (laughs) True story. Everyone could look it up on my Twitter. And I I could share the screenshot from our Facebook message. Uh, Word for word, same thing, as a result of the same play. Jameis still stinks. And that's the story of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers for the last five years. There wasn't uh, one different word in our whole conversation. No. It was Jameis still stinks. Yep. So uh, I'm going to have to look. I don't know how many times. Actually, I could pull it up right now. Um, let's see. Jameis Winston. Where are you? I don't have the 2017 weekly worst, but he won it twice last year. And Bucks head coach Dirk Cutter won it once last year for going back and forth between James Winston and Ryan Fitzpatrick. So I think that we, I think we say that he has won it three times, and this is his fourth. So. Jameis Winston, uh, I think the only other person who had three before you was Nathan Peterman. You have broke that tie. You are a four-time Weekly Worst Award champion. Congratulations, you bum. Celebrate with some crap legs. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's get down to business, what we, what we came here to do, pick football games. Last week... 
I started off a very impressive 11 4 and 1 against the spread, Polly. I could have made some people some serious money if they would have taken my advice. Yeah. And they would have even came out on the winning end if they took your advice. You you had a winning record, 8 7 and 1, not bad. Um but as of right now, I am up one week to zero. I have a three-game lead on you in the overall standings. I like um, to make my move about week eight, anyway, so it's all right. I'll let you get out the weekend. It's fine. No, it's it. That's been the case every year. I've won week one now the last three years, so uh, we we are very on brand at this moment. Let's. I actually, I, I meant to tell you, I forgot to. Um, write your picks down in my document. So you're going to have to make sure you let me know who you pick with every game. We kind oh, of do boy. that. That's, that's our thing, but um, I don't have them in the document. I suppose I could pull them up, but I'm going to be lazy, and I'm going to make you tell me them. Anyway, oh. Thursday night football. The Jameis Winston-led Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who are 0-1, visit the... 0-1 Carolina Panthers. The Panthers are a six-and-a-half-point favorite. Paulie, I don't understand this line at all. For the life of me, I can't wrap my head around it. Carolina was pretty competitive in that game last week against L.A. Christian McCaffrey had a really good game. You know, the the Rams, they, they moved the ball consistently, but it wasn't like they were just torching the Panthers. And the Bucks stink. They stunk against the 49ers at home. How, yeah. isn't this, uh, how isn't this a full seven points, if not more? Yeah, I was kind of confused about that. It couldn't could have something to do with uh, what Cam Newton was wearing after the game last week. People just said, I cannot never bet on that guy again. <laughs> um, Did he have barbed wire on his hat? I'm not sure what it was, but he had, like, a little, like, bonnet over his ears. Yeah. I don't know if it was cold in Carolina or what. But I heard it was warm. Yeah, I mean, very strange. Um, I will be at our game. I won't be watching this game, and I'm not sad about it. I am taking Carolina minus the points. I think they're a lot. I'm with you 100%. Um, I don't know. I you know the, the Rams kind of let the Panthers hang around in that game, but I, I'm I'm not I'm not worried about the Panthers at this point. I, I I think that offensively they'll be fine. I think defensively in this game that they're going to give the Bucks real problems. Um, uh, and if they don't, James Winston will just cause problems for his own team. So. I'm firmly with the Panthers on Thursday night football. On the Sunday, the Arizona Cardinals, who are 0-0-1, I love ties, visit the 1-0 Baltimore Ravens, who are a 13-and-a-half-point favorite. Not even the biggest favorite of the week, though. Um I'm not going to take my uh, my victory lap on the Ravens just yet. I, it was the Dolphins. They're a dumpster fire. But like I said before, I, I saw what I needed to see out of Baltimore to at least not feel the need to second-guess myself. 
you were initially skeptical about my optimism, but can you at least admit that they didn't seem to have any flaws against Miami? They they handled their business. No, I mean, they definitely handled their business. I mean, they looked, looked good. Um, did what they were supposed to do. Take the punt up 35-3. to three. I don't, You don't really see that too often. That was curious. Um, Maybe save that one to, for when you need it. <laughs> uh, I mean, I went with Baltimore here. I think, you know, playing at home, I, I think they'll ride the momentum from last week. You know, we talked about earlier, Cardinals don't look like they're going to be very good. I don't think, nope. you know, uh, I think Kyler Murray's going to have a hard time against that defense. And, I, and you know, I think, they're, you know, the Ravens running a running game with Mark Ingram, really big, really big. Uh, you know, drafting Hollywood Brown, big. Lamar Jackson threw the ball well last week. I'll give him credit. Let's, you know, I'm not putting him in the Hall of Fame just yet, but we'll, uh, we'll, we'll give him credit where credit's due. And, I think Baltimore starts off an easy 2-0. Yeah, I'm with you. You know, the the interesting thing about the Ravens last week was, even as an optimist, I didn't expect the the passing game to be that far along right now. And again, it's Miami. But those deep balls that Lamar threw looked really good. And, you know, that was the concern... Right? I mean, that was the the worry for Baltimore was that he couldn't push the ball down the field. That was what he struggled with last year. And, yes, well, I a think, couple I of think those plays. pushing the ball down, down the field with somebody actually covering his guy is is what we're worried about. Like the guy running 15 yards open, you know. Well, sure. No, I, I'm with you. I'm with you. But those were just throws that he was straight up missing. Not not just, you know, it's a lot different when you need to drop it in perfectly when there's coverage. But there were times last year where just wide-open guys were being overthrown. He just wasn't accurate, even when his receivers were open. That changed. And I, I do think it's interesting that the Ravens ran the ball for over 200 yards, and that removes the 65-yard run that they had on their very weird fake punt. They still had over 200 yards rushing. Lamar only had six. He only had six yards rushing. I'm excited to see what this offense looks like when they unleash him as a runner. Um, And I think based on what we saw in this game with Miami, I think they'll be smart about it. They don't want him to run the ball 20 times a game and take a beating. But I do think when, when the time comes for it, they'll be comfortable unleashing him in that role. That's what I'm looking forward to. I would not expect it to to be the case against Arizona. I think they'll roll. But I, I do think that there's more to this offense that we haven't seen yet. I would what, imagine they, they won so easy last week. I felt they had to break everything out. Right. What was your take on, on Kyler Murray? Um, I thought he struggled early. And I, like you, you talked about, I – you know, I think we talked about it. I thought in the fourth quarter and, and even in overtime, he made some really good throws and some good plays altogether. Um, you know, he went to he went to over-reliable Larry Fitzgerald and David Johnson, and they made some plays. And, you know, I, I give the kid credit for sticking in there with a, in a game where, you know, the first three quarters were terrible. You know, he could have quit, but he battled it, and they got a tie. 
Yeah, he started the game 9 for 26 passing. And they were down 18 at the start of the fourth quarter. And after starting 9 for 26, he went 20 for 28 from that point on. I, I just think a lot of guys in that spot, first start in the NFL, they just fold. They fold. And it, it, nothing goes right. It doesn't matter the, the the kind of defense the teams are playing against you if it's a little more prevent and they're just trying to avoid big plays. I think you, you just, you know, call it a day. You, you move on to week two. You try to be better with your next game. And he didn't. He, you know, to his credit, he kept battling, and he let him back. And like you said, some of the throws that he made in the fourth quarter um, and overtime, they were awesome. You know, it was yeah. the kind of arm strength that we we thought he was going to have coming into the league. It's what made him special. It's what made him the number one pick. Um, I think in time the, there's reasons for optimism there too. But this week and for the majority of this season, I think there will be some – uneven performances. Next up, the 1-0 Dallas Cowboys visiting the 0-1 Washington Redskins. Uh, the Cowboys are favored by 4.5. This line opened at 6.5. It's moved down to 4.5. Um, I think they got it right the first time. I, I And I'm surprised it moved in Washington's direction. I know that they're competitive against Philadelphia. But like we talked about before when we were doing our top six, that Cowboys offense looked a whole lot more modern under Kellen Moore than it did last year. They were using play action and screens, and they weren't running into stacked boxes. It just – Dak looked so much more comfortable. And I I just love the way their offense looked. And defensively, they're they're tough, man. They have a lot of talent on that side of the ball. so I'm going with Dallas. Yeah, I went with Dallas too. I think I actually think they win this game fairly. Yeah, I, uh, I, I was surprised the line was as low as it was. You know, I'm with you. I thought I thought they should have been given the touchdown, but uh, we'll see. You know, Washington at home, they got you know they do have a good defense. So I mean, they're they're gonna have to they're gonna have to stop a, a pretty good offensive attack of what Dallas put on last week. So. I'm gonna. I think you know. I just gotta go with Dallas. I want to congratulate Jason Witten for becoming the not only the first, but also the worst former Monday Night Football commentator to score a touchdown in an NFL game. Um, that was the first of eight road favorites this week. This feels like a really tricky slate of games. I'm. That that's got to be rare that we have half of the games with a road favorite. Yeah. Um. Another one with a road favorite, number two of eight, the one and zero Buffalo Bills visiting the zero and one New York Giants. This is the battle for New York State because Buffalo beat the Jets last week at MetLife Stadium. Now, if they could win back-to-back games against New York teams, um, we're going to have to anoint them the Kings of New York. I I thought Buffalo showed a lot of grit last week. Uh, you know, they were down 16 nothing 
things really weren't going well for them, and they hung in there, and, you know, their defense kept them in the game, and then their offense made plays at the end. You know, I think Buffalo's got a good enough run defense where they're going to stop Saquon enough, and I just think Buffalo's better football. Paulie, I think every year we've done this podcast, I've had to ask you this question. Are we sure the Bills should be favored in this game? On the road after only one week, are we sure that they should already be favored? I mean, the way I look at it is they weren't a very big underdog to the Jets last week. I mean, I I get it, but it man, we we've done this before. It's scary betting Buffalo on the road or when they're favored, and now we have to do both. Yeah, I, I understand, but you know they're playing an old quarterback with a bad I, offensive line. I mean, it's. I'm with you. I'm I'm going Buffalo. I, I'm just I, I'm I mean, saying I'm I'm worried about it. it, it this feels it, like it, it, it's a worry. Feels like it's yeah. It's the classic. Oh man, Bill fans, they're already they're already thinking about buying playoff tickets. You know things are looking good. You're undefeated in preseason, and now they're one and zero. So they're they're five and zero. Yeah, and every everyone's getting really excited. They're going to come home for the first home game of the year, two and zero. We're going to have a lot of momentum. Maybe we could challenge New England next year, if not this year. And then you know they just, then they blow into the Giants. You know what? You know what's going to be funny is they play the Giants, and then they play home. I believe their home opener is against the Bengals. And then it could be a matchup of two three and O's when the Patriots come to town to follow. I don't know that they get the three and O. I, I think that people I think the Bills fans' hopes are dashed before then. Do you think you the Giants Bills get them? I do. I like I said, I'm picking Buffalo. I'm I'm on record saying that I'm worried about it. Um Obviously not worried enough to pick the Giants. I just there's a scenario here where where Saquon goes wild and he has two hundred and fifty total yards and and Eli somehow turns back the clock on three throws and looks really good. Um it just it, it I'm concerned. But I'll I'm with you. I'll go Buffalo. Um next up, this is a good one. I'm I'm really interested in this one. The 0-1 Indianapolis Colts visiting the 1-0 Tennessee Titans. The Titans are a three-point favorite at home. Um, you know, I th- this one's tricky because the Colts in in defeat they did a lot of things right. I mean, to me, it looked like Jacoby Brissett. He was in total command. I thought he played well. Marlon Mack ran all over the Chargers. He had 174 yards. I looked it up. That's the 19th most rushing yards ever in a week one game. Uh, I think you see what Quentin Nelson did to Melvin Ingram on a play during that game. He, oh, Lord. I did. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I did see that. It, that it, it's, And that's the thing. They, you know, you know, we look at this, it's 0-1 against 1-0. Tennessee, 
you got to give them credit. They they went into Cleveland where that crowd had to be more excited for a home opener than they probably ever have, right? This is the most hyped Browns team in my lifetime for sure. I don't know what it was like when Bernie Kozar was under center. Um, oh, them teams were good. I know they were. I know they were good, but I don't know if, if hype-wise the, oh, the, yeah. the electricity was the same in Cleveland. But that crowd was so ready. They were ready for this team to come out. What's that? Browns go right down and get a touchdown to start the game, too. Right, right. They they go up, they go up a touchdown early, first drive. They look good. They march down the field. The Titans never blinked. They didn't blink, and they, they you know, they obviously they extended that lead late. It was a lot closer midway through the third quarter. They only led by nine going into the fourth quarter. Then they end up winning by 30. And, you know, you look at it, and the defense, they held that, that Browns offense to only 13 points. They sacked Baker Mayfield five times. They didn't give up any big plays to Odell. You go to the offensive side. And it, you know, we we are still trying to figure out what Marcus Mariota did, but Credit to Arthur Smith, the new offensive coordinator. It was a well-designed game plan. They they had a lot of plays where they got their receivers in space and, and gave them a chance to, you know, pick up a lot of yards after the catch. Derrick Henry had a 75-yard screen pass. That was a touchdown. A.J. Brown did a lot of damage on the ground after the catch. They just took care of business, and they beat Cleveland's ass for the most part. And now they go home, and they're only favored by three. To me, it just seems weird, and I can't. I I don't feel like I have a great feel for either of these teams, and I feel like I'm going to know a lot more after week two. I went with Tennessee just because they're home. I don't necessarily feel great about this one, but I'm also not sure that Indy on the road should be somebody that I feel comfortable picking. Uh, I went with Indy. I thought I thought they played really well on the road in Los Angeles last week against a pretty good Chargers team. Yeah. Um, I, I thought the Titans were very ready last week, and mm-hmm. I thought I thought a lot of that was, you know, you're getting ready for the Browns. You know, what do they got? Three months where they realize, you know, they know the Browns are who their week one opponent is. And I'm sure all they heard all that time was how good Cleveland was. That's a lot oh, yeah. of bulletin board. That's a lot of bulletin board material. And you know they came out and whooped them. You you said it. They you know they were the better team. They were the better coach team. Um, but you know the the, the Colts. Jacoby Brissett played a fine game the other day. He mm-hmm. man, like you said, you know they could run the ball. They got a really good offensive line. Uh, their defense is good. And they just seem to dominate Tennessee when they play. I mean, I know it's not Andrew Luck, but the Colts seem to dominate the Titans every time they play. And I'm going to say they go on the road and and they kind of beat the Titans and we kind of figure out that the Titans, you know, maybe just aren't as good as that week one performance looked. I can see it happening. That's definitely in play. And like I said, I don't feel great about it. Um and we, you know, we both picked Indy last week because we thought they would be a little bit better than than 
everyone thought that they might be after Andrew Luck retired. And, you know, we cashed it on that bet. It was Chargers by six and a half. They won by six. So congratulations to us. So, yeah, if they went on the road and beat Tennessee and it turns out that, you know, Tennessee just is average and maybe the Colts are just average too and they're just slightly better in this game, yeah, I can see that happening for sure. Um, but I am interested. I, I do think I do think that we'll learn a lot about both of these teams in this game. Yeah, definitely. Another another game that I just have no idea what to make of. <laughs> the one and Seattle Seahawks visiting the zero and one Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, Pittsburgh is favored by four. I mean, I, I, I don't. I'm, I'm kind of at a loss for words. I, like, no. Seattle didn't look great in their week one game against Cincinnati. They got outgained by nearly 200 yards. Uh, the offense didn't look sharp at all. They, you know, they couldn't get anything going on the ground. Uh, Cincinnati was pressuring Russell Wilson a lot. He was on the run a lot. Um, but I don't know how Pittsburgh, after that game in New England, and granted, New England, arguably the best team in the league. They're the, the defending Super Bowl champions, but they just got pummeled oh. in that game. So I don't know how you bounce back and, you know, they, they have their home opener and they're going up against a team that made the playoffs last year is 1-0. and And then they're more than a three-point favorite. They get more than that three. I'm just confused by it. Can can you explain that at all to me, or are you equally confused by this line? Yeah, I'm I'm confused on it. I mean, I I know New England is very good, but Pittsburgh looked not good at all. I don't know if it's just one of them things where I mean, let's face it, I can't rem- recall. The last time Pittsburgh went to New England and the game was remotely close. No, I mean, neither. I mean, and that, that's kind of a narrative is that we call this a rivalry, but when is when I mean, Pittsburgh it's not a rivalry when one team's always getting their ass kicked. I mean, right? It's, just, you're right. It's I don't know. I, I mean, Pittsburgh, I would imagine, is going to play better, but. You know, but I think what Seattle can play better. That's the thing. Yeah, I mean, and and for Pittsburgh, obviously they're going to play better because they can't play worse. <laughs> right. <laughs> exactly. I mean, I I don't know. I want with I want with Seattle get the points on the road. I think the game is going to be close. I I wasn't overly impressed with Seattle last week at all. But you know, in a game like this. And it's sad to say, but give me Russell Wilson over over Big Ben. A thousand times, for sure. Next up, the 1-0 San Francisco 49ers visiting the 0-1 Cincinnati Bengals. The Bengals are favored by a point and a half. To me, this seems like a line designed to sucker people in who didn't watch either of these two teams at all in week one. And forgive me if you went with San Francisco here, but to me, I I thought the Niners stunk 
on Sunday. I got to tell you, this was one of my better plays of the week. I think Cincinnati is they, – they impressed me last week. John Ross I'm with you. was phenomenal. I thought I thought the the young coach had Adam ready. Uh, you know, Andy Dalton played well. I mean, that's a tough opening game to go into. And you know, we touched you touched on it. They they dominated the game really. I'm really not sure how Seattle won the game, um, but I thought Cincinnati looked really good. Was not impressed at all with San Francisco, and and now they got to travel back to the East Coast again. I think the Bengals are, are a big, big time play Sunday. I'm with you. They're one of my better bets uh, in this whole week two slate. I love them. I was, I was very surprised that they didn't get the full three. Um, if if San Francisco is playing any other quarterback besides James Winston in that game, they get beat. Yes. So, I don't know. I'm with you. I thought Cincinnati controlled that game in Seattle. Um, that that was maybe the best that Dalton has looked in a few years. I mean, since the last time the Bengals were were actually competitive and, you know, it, when they had A.J. Green and, and Marvin Lewis was still there and suckering people into thinking that he was a good coach. Um, I I I really I was surprised, you know. I I guess not too surprised. I picked them. I thought that nine and a half was probably too much. I thought that they might be able to hang in there. They did more so than I thought. I thought that just with it being nine and a half, there was a chance that, you know, it's lingering around ten, they get the field goal late to cut it to seven and they get the backdoor cover. But they they were right there and they had the ball late with a chance to to win the game if they drive and get in position for a field goal. Um, so I'm with you. I like the Bengals. Next up, the 1-0 Los Angeles Chargers visiting the 0-0-1 Detroit Lions. The Chargers are a two-and-a-half point favorite on the road. Um, like I said, I, I thought I thought Detroit stunk. Last week, I was not impressed with them at all. Um, Arizona was able to get pressure on Matt Stafford on 47% of his dropbacks. So I think L.A. with with Joey Bosa and Melvin Ingram on the edges, I think, you know, they each had a sack against Indy. I think that they can replicate that, if not do much, much more against Detroit. So I'm going with the Chargers on the road. Yeah, I I, I went with the Chargers. I just a better football team. Next up. Uh, yeah, this is probably the best game of the early slate. The 1-0 Minnesota Vikings visiting the 1-0 Green Bay Packers. The Packers are a three-point favorite. Um, <laughs> these two teams tied in their Week 2 meeting in Green Bay last year. So we can we can root for that again. Um, you know, we we touched on both of these teams with the with the top six. I, at worst, these are two of the top eight teams in the league. So, what do you make of this matchup? Who do you give the edge to? I want Green Bay just for the fact that they're playing at home. 
I think that I think that crowd will be good. Uh, the defense was really good last week. Um, you know, Minnesota only threw the ball I think ten times last week. Yeah, and yep, it, they're it the first like, team. They're the first team to win a game in September with ten or fewer pass attempts since 1986. I mean. I think they're going to have to throw a little bit more than that this week. Uh, the Packers' defense was so good last week. Uh, I think this game's going to be very good. Uh, like I said, I, I give the Packers a nod at home. The rest of the NFL should be worried about Green Bay, and I'm going to tell you why. That defense, uh, me- measure it against the Bears' defense that was the best in the league last year and was damn good on Thursday, the opener. That Packers defense was probably better. They were flying all over the place. That that rookie safety, Darnell Savage, he made all kinds of plays. They're getting pressure with the, the defensive front. They're consistently collapsing the pocket. I was really impressed. And the, the rest of the league better hope that there are growing pains for that offense for the rest of the year or else they're going to be real trouble. Yeah. Um, I'm with you. I like Green Bay. I do think that Minnesota keeps this close. I think it'll be a competitive game. Um, oh, yeah. You know, they have so many playmakers defensively, and the way that Delvin Cook was running the ball against Atlanta, um, if they can lean on him and not have to lean on Cousins as much, and, you know, you said it, they're not going to throw the ball only 10 times again this game. But if they could keep him in that, 25 attempt range and they could lean on Delvin Cook, that, that's going to be a really good offense and they're going to control the, the ball, they're going to c- control the time of possession and they could lean on that defense and they'll be really good. But at home, I'll take the Packers in, in this matchup. The 0-1 awesome. Jacksonville Jaguars visiting the 0-1 Houston Texans. The Texans are a eight and a half point favorite. Um, if you're the Texans, you know, do you come out of that game against New Orleans feeling like that's a moral victory and you build on it, or do you think our quarterback took a damn beating? We were right there. We let this one slip away. And is that something that has a negative effect on them throughout the year? What do you well, think? Well, I, I think there's many positives, many, many negatives out of that game. I thought most of the game, they all played the Saints. Mm-hmm. I thought Deshaun Watson was Superman. I thought their offensive line was stinky at best. And I got to tell you, that defense was atrocious in the second. I mean, they couldn't stop nothing. How they, the, I mean, they they were poorly coached and and just played awful in the second half of that game. Um, Jacksonville, to me, I mean, they imploded week one. Like you could tell, they just no discipline on their defense at all. That guys just want to fight everybody. And, 
Did you did you see the temper tantrum that Miles Jack threw? I've never seen anything like that before. He he was going after a ref and had to he had to be like seven year old in the toy store being told, No, you can't have this toy and, yeah, and then you have to drag him out of the store, both parents with one arm. That's what the coaching staff had to do with him. Yeah, it was like a twenty two year old college kid that went to the bar for the first time and just got hammered and then got told he couldn't drink no more and just wanted to fight everybody. And everybody was like, okay, get him out of here. And they had to drag him home. But, dude, first of all, how about we realize punching somebody with your fist that has a helmet on, not smart. It, it's amazing that that these guys, you know, they, the funny thing is they all wear helmets. They, they like, you're getting ready to put, to like, get into a fight, you have a helmet on, you know how hard that thing is. Like, what yes. are you doing throwing a punch at it? Like, just reach your hand up and feel the helmet on your head. Yeah. And you Not feel that it's solid. It's hard. Yeah. Don't punch the guy with the same thing on his head. Yeah, so, um, I went with Houston. I just, you know, Jacksonville starting a rookie quarterback on the road. I, I, I really like Houston in this game. All right. I went the opposite way. I, I actually went with Jacksonville. I I liked what I saw out of Gardner Minshew. I, I liked him in college, but I thought he should have gone before the sixth round. I thought maybe third, fourth round was good for him. But, you know, that that wasn't that wasn't a – a lockdown defense that he was playing. It was a Chiefs defense that was playing with a lead and was discontent with preventing any sort of big plays. But, you know, he went in there and and he did fine. You know, he he was completely serviceable. He did what he needed to do. He, he completed 88% of his passes. Like, he was good. He was fine. Um, yeah, and I, I just, I look at that Texans team, and like you said, they were awful defensively. And that, that's the weird thing. Last year, they, they were below average against the pass, but they were historically great against the run. Uh, Football Outsiders had rated them as one of the 10 best run defenses ever last year. And the Saints just carved them up on the ground. They had 148 yards on 21 carries. So I look at that, and, and I look at that Texans offensive line, and, you know, Larry, Laramie Tunsil, it didn't seem like he was ready yet. It, it looked sometimes like, you know, he, he was lost with the scheme. And even if he in time gets better and he plays like he did in Miami, if everyone else on your offensive line is a trash bag, it doesn't matter how good your left tackle is. No. So – this this Jags defensive line, really good. They have all pros on it. They, you know, they, they have shown before that they can rush the passer. I think that they're going to make it difficult, and maybe I'm wrong, and maybe it's just another game of Deshaun being Superman, and maybe Gardner Minshew comes back to life, and it looks silly that I think Jacksonville. I just thought that eight and a half, there's a chance of a backdoor cover. It feels like that they can keep this game reasonably close, so I don't know the Jacks. 
the final 1 p.m. game. And boy, oh boy, what a doozy. What a doozy. The 1-0 and New England Patriots visiting the 0-1 Miami Dolphins, the team at the top of our, of our top six and the bottom of our shitty team club. The Patriots are a 19-point favorite. This will be the 25th game in NFL history with a line of 18 points or higher. Um, do you care to guess how many underdogs have covered in the previous 24 matchups? Twenty-four matchups. Yeah, how many times the underdog of eighteen points or more covered? Twenty. Close. Eighteen. Eighteen out of twenty-four. Seventy-five percent of the time, an underdog of eighteen points or more is going to cover. I do not think they this the the Dolphins belong in that seventy-five percent. I'm no. taking New England. I I honestly don't know how high you would have to make this line for me to comfortably take Miami. This is like Alabama versus New Mexico State last week. <laughs> if it was, okay, let, let's play a game. This line is 21 and a half. Who are you betting? New England. This line was 24 and a half. Who are you betting? New England. If this line was 26 and a half, which is the, the largest an NFL line has ever been, of Jacksonville at Denver in 2013, who are you betting? New England. 28 and a half? I mean... I don't know if I – I mean, gun to my head, I'm betting New England. I mean, I'm not going to bet. I know. I feel the same way. It, I mean, at that point, I'm once not, it gets to – After once what I saw to, last week, there's no way I'm betting on the Dolphins. They got yeah. guys who want to be traded at halftime. Once New yeah. England scores once, it's going to be curtains. They're going to be like, all right, we stay class. Oh, no, we suck again. You know, and this <laughs> – you know that that was a that was a great Rob Schneider impression. So uh, give me the Pats minus a hundred. Uh, you know, it, just give me the Pats. I'll take the yeah, yeah. Somehow, some way, Tom Brady looks like he's twenty three. It's remarkable. It, I mean, when will this ever end? I don't know. I don't get it. My goodness. Uh, all right, on to the 4 p.m. games. The 1-0 Kansas City Chiefs visiting your 1-0 Oakland Raiders. Uh, the Chiefs are an eight-point road favorite. Give me your give me your 45-second take on what you saw from Oakland on Monday night. I was impressed. Uh, they're playing with two backup guards right now. Uh, Incognito suspended for two games. Gabe Jackson's out for probably six. Um, you know, all I heard about was, you know, Bradley Chubb and Von Miller were going to wreak havoc on their car. I didn't even know Von Miller and Bradley Chubb were in the game, to be honest with you. They had no effect at all. Uh, one thing that does suck, you know, is Jonathan Abram, their hard hit and rookie safety's out for the year. Uh, 
you know, torn labrum, torn rotator cuff, which which really stinks. I, I think the kid's got a really bright future. He he absolutely lays people out. I mean, he hits you hard. Um, I thought Derek Carr was great the other night. I love Josh Jacobs. Darren Waller was impressive. Tyrell Williams looks like a good number one receiver. I was happy. I thought all their young guys played good. I was really happy. I thought they dominated the game. Yeah, I'm with you. You know, we both liked Oakland. We both picked Oakland. We, we thought that the one point that they were favored by was low. Um, they ended up getting three. Yeah, after after the Antonio Brown situation, which we probably should talk about, or we could reserve judgment because there were there were rape allegations today, and I, I without knowing all the details, I don't quite feel comfortable talking about all of it. Um, so maybe we're better off just holding off on that one and, and saying that... Yeah, we that, could just them out of the podcast for tonight. I mean, I hear about... Yeah, it. yeah, there, yeah there's been enough Antonio Brown chatter. But anyway, yeah, the, you know, that line moved three, four points from the time that we made the pick to the, the time the game kicked off. And it, it was a game that Oakland dominated. Uh, Bradley Chubb and Von Miller, neither of them had a sack. They held them in check. That offense looked crisp. Josh Jacobs... He he seems like a real game changer. He, I saw he had 100 scrimmage yards, two rushing touchdowns, the first player to do that in their debut since LaDainian Tomlinson. So that's pretty good company to be in. I mean, uh, how about that mammoth of a man they have playing right tackle by the name of Trent Brown? That dude is large. Yeah, I mean, he, he just... I mean, Carr had a clean pocket. When you give Derek Carr a clean pocket, he, he's really accurate. And he looks healthy. And, man, I was I was happy with the way they played together. So the question is, are you taking them over the rival Chiefs? I am. I think, you know, I don't know if they'll win, but they're getting eight points. I think they'll be able to move the ball. Uh, Chiefs are going to be without Tyreek Hill. Who got hit by the karma police since the NFL didn't want to suspend him for beating his kid. So, um, I, you know, I, I thought the Chiefs were they were good offensively last week. Don't get me wrong, but you know, I, there was a lot of Mahomes. I mean, Mahomes tried to get cute, missed a wide open touchdown because he tried to no look pass. I mean, their their defense. Let's let's face it, their defense still isn't good. I mean, right? A rookie, a rookie no. came in off the bench and you know completed passes. They gave up a lot of points. Um, you know, like I said, I, I, I'm not saying the Raiders are going to win, but I do think it'll be close. I think the Raiders are going to be able to run the ball, move the ball. So I, I'll take the Raiders plus the points. That's exactly why I took Oakland, too. I think that offensively they're good enough to to put pressure on Kansas City. And, you know, we don't know for an entire game how this offense is going to look without Tyreek Hill. Um, I, I, I will say, personally, I was very happy to see Sammy Watkins again looking like the guy who dominated at Clemson, the Fort Myers he native. Yeah, a great uh, So... I was happy about that. I'm glad that he is finally feeling comfortable in this role. But 
I'm with you. And, you know, we, we've seen Kansas City, even in games when offensively they're dynamite and they get up big, they have a tendency to relax, and teams have covered big spreads against them before. It wouldn't be odd if this game was 14 and then Oakland got a late touchdown and made it 7. And, you know, for, for all I know, they might just be closer all game. But this crowd's going to be fired up. They're going to be feeling real good about themselves. And even though they're missing Abram in the secondary and Gary Ann Conley is questionable with a neck injury. Today. Oh, did he really? Yeah, Conley practiced today. Wow, I'm surprised. I thought, I, last I saw he was still questionable. But that's great. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Well, I mean, either way, it doesn't matter who's in your secondary. Against Kansas City, you're going to be tested anyway. But, um, yeah, I'm with you. I think that they can keep it reasonably close and within striking distance where late they could have this be a touchdown game. All right, moving on from your team to my team, the 0-1 Chicago Bears visiting the 0-1 Denver Broncos. The Bears are a two-and-a-half-point road favorite. Um, you know, I, I've had, because they played Thursday night, I've had a little extra time to try to fight off the early-onset panic mode. Um, and I think I've done a reasonable job so far. I, You know, there there are issues here. They, the play calling... Just remember their look, week one disaster last year. Right. No, they, you know, they started 0-1 last year. They, that ended up being 3-3. Three and three. Like, they, they can, it's early. They can dig themselves out of this hole. And, again, Green Bay is really good. That wasn't a cupcake that they, they put up three points against. That's going to be one of the better defensive teams in the league. But Mitchell Trubisky should not drop back to pass 53 times. No. They need to they need to hand the ball off more than twelve times, which is all they did. Six carries from Mike Davis. Uh and, and then I believe six carries for, for David Montgomery. They, they, that can't be the ratio. Um sometimes Matt Nagy, as much as I love him, as much as he's my favorite coach that the Bears have ever had, that offense is just too damn cute. However, the, the, their defense is fine. They gave up one big play that, that ended up being a four-play touchdown drive. Other than that, they held Aaron Rodgers in check in a way that very few teams can. Um, and, you know, I look at this matchup specifically, and I, I look at your Raiders, and last year they were worse in the league in terms of generating a pass rush. They sacked Joe Flacco three times in this one. They're getting pressure on him. If they can do it, I feel like the Bears should be able to do it because that was the one area where they actually outperformed the 2018 Bears last week. They got to Rodgers five times. He was consistently under pressure, having to move around in the pocket. Flacco isn't going to be able to move around in the pocket like Aaron Rodgers does, and he's not going to be able to make the throws that Aaron Rodgers does. So, I do think there's reason to be optimistic. I, I hope that the offense isn't going to be that bad again. With all of that said, I'm taking Denver. Uh, of course you are. 
Um, Did you expect anything less? No. Uh, I'm going with the Bears just because I don't pick that. I don't don't do it. Um, I think the Bears had a little extra time. You know, I think they're going to be able to create pressure on on Flacco, like you said. And I got to say, Roquan Smith, he's a stud. Yes. No, their defense, you know, I I think that they'll miss having Adrian Amos and and Bryce Callahan was a really good slot corner. Their secondary isn't as good as it was last year. But with how much better Roquan Smith is right now than he was last year and how good Khalil Mack is, how much better Leonard Floyd looks, uh, Roy Robertson-Harris, who came in and looks awesome in that game. And then, you know, we still have Akeem Hicks and Eddie Goldman. That that front is going to be really good. And when you have Roquan and you have Danny Trevathan uh, as your linebackers, they're in good shape there. Um, I'm not worried about the defense. The defense, I'm fine with. I, I need to see something more from the offense in week two, though. Otherwise, I'm going to start to panic. Yeah, I mean, you got to remember, this is a tough matchup for them for the fact of yeah. Denver's coach knows Matt Nagy better than anybody. Yes. I mean, so that that's going to be a tough matchup, but you're getting Denver on a short week, and you had a long and a longer break. So, I mean, I think the Bears are just the better. They should be. We'll find out. Um, all right, game of the week. Pretty safe to say this is the best one on the slate. And, you know, all due respect to Green Bay, Minnesota, which is a really good one. Uh, the New Orleans Saints, 1-0, visiting the 1-0 Los Angeles Rams. The Rams are a two-and-a-half-point favorite. Uh, these two teams played twice last year. New Orleans handed L.A. their first loss of the regular season. Then the Rams got revenge in the NFC Championship game winning that one in New Orleans in overtime. Now we're in Los Angeles. What do you think of these two teams they had into this really awesome 425 showdown on on Fox? I think it's going to be a good game, but I I like the Rams a lot, actually. Two and a half to me, I think that's a gift. Rams at home wasn't impressed really with, with New Orleans' defense. You know, now they're going to go on the road. They're not going to have that dome crowd advantage. So, you know, I, I don't I don't see them really stopping the Rams too much. And I think, you know, I think the Rams will be able to get their pressure on Breeze. And I, I think the Rams, Rams win this one. Yeah, I'm with you. We were both. We were both lower on New Orleans than most. You had them missing the playoffs. Um I still had them winning the division, but I didn't feel great about it. Uh, After I watched the other three teams in their division play last week, I'd like to change my mind, though. (laughs) No, they they now feel like a safe winner in the NFC South. I feel a lot better about that now um, than I did a week ago. But even still, you know, that was a game, and we talked about it when we were going over the the Houston-Jacksonville game. That was a game that the Texans... They controlled the majority of that game. And if it weren't for a very curious defensive decision to play 10 yards off all of the receivers with, what was it, was it seven seconds left? And you basically just allow the Saints to get into field goal range and, and 
on that last play, Houston yeah, wins that game. Yeah, I don't know what you're thinking that play. I really don't. Um, yeah, I'm with you. I I felt like the Rams, they, you know, they controlled that game against Carolina, but they, they kind of left me wanting a little bit more. It wasn't their best game by any means. Um, but one of the things, we, we talked about it <clears throat> last week on the pod, we wondered how involved Todd Gurley was going to be. And he, he ended up with 14 carries. Uh, Malcolm Brown had 11. Gurley only had six carries going into the fourth quarter. And then they they unleashed him at that point, and he became the workhorse down the stretch. I think, and we sort of speculated about this a little bit, that they would bust him out in the moments they really needed him. And I think that, that last week was a good example of how he'll be used. If they have the other backs at their disposal, I think they'll get away with giving some of those early carries to Malcolm Brown. Maybe Daryl Henderson gets involved in the mix at some point. But I think Gurley's going to be the guy who takes him home every week. Um, and I, I think that that's a really good role because he looks fresh running late, 14 carries for 97 yards. I liked what they did with him. Um, I think that they'll be they'll be just fine moving forward, that offense. Um, some of you, I have the Rams. How, how uh, happy was Jared Goff to have Cooper Cup back in the lineup last week? Oh, it makes wow. all the difference. Well, I think he threw him the first six passes of the game. <laughs> no, I mean, we we saw that as it was happening last year, how much different that offense looked. Uh, and, you know, I, looking at it right now, Robert Woods had 13 targets. Cooper Cup had 10. Brandon Cooks had six. That'll be interchangeable throughout the year, those three guys. That'll change based on the matchup, but just having that third receiver that you could feel really comfortable with, um, that, that's going to be huge. And, and if they could have a reasonably healthy, rested Todd Gurley going into the fourth quarter of, of all these games when we assume that they're going to be going into fourth quarters with leads, if they can just lean on him, they're going to be tough, man. They're going to be really tough. No doubt about All right. that. All right, Sunday night football. Al Michaels, Chris Collins were sliding into the picture. Michelle Tafoya, the Philadelphia Eagles, one and zero visiting the one and zero Atlanta Falcons. Uh, no, zero and one Atlanta Falcons. My apologies. Um, these two teams have history. Philly beat Atlanta on their way to the Super Bowl two years ago. Philly beat Atlanta on opening night last year. And now the Eagles visit the Falcons as a one-and-a-half-point favorite in Atlanta. Kind of feels like a very early must-win game for the Falcons, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, they they look not very good last week. I, no. I mean, that, that offense I was expecting a lot more out of. Uh, they're coming home. This is a really, you know, really must-win, like you said. Um, I went with Philly. I just think, just went with the team that I think's better. Um, I think it's. I, I'm looking forward to this game. I think it's going to be entertaining. But I think Philadelphia wins a high-scoring affair. I, I hope that Atlanta could put up a fight. I, I I don't like when Sunday night football isn't good. Like it. Like we 
So you Michael didn't really McCollum, enjoy last Sunday's game then? No, no, it was a bummer. Like, like we got Michael and Collinsworth for the, the Thursday night game, and they're wearing their, their silly suits and their hats, and that's fine. And I couldn't enjoy it because the Bears stunk. And then it's Sunday night football, and I wanted to enjoy them calling a close game. And then the Patriots just beat the brakes off of the Steelers. And it's like, give me these two on a really good game, because I think that that's my favorite announced booth. Um, and, and just production-wise, I, I like the music. I like uh, the way that Sunday Night Football looks. I'm ready for a good game, a really good game that I can enjoy. Um, I, I'm a little less optimistic than you that it's going to be close. I, I think Philadelphia might roll in this game. Um, Derek Barnett, Fletcher Cox, Brandon Graham were all in the top five last week in most quarterback pressures. Matt Ryan didn't look comfortable at all going up against Minnesota. They were consistently getting pressure on him. He had happy feet in the pocket. I just think we're going to see more of that. I think the that the the Eagles' offense is going to click earlier than it, than it took them against Washington. I like Philly for sure. And finally, Monday Night Football. Uh, dating back to the first Monday Night Football game 50 years ago, the 0-1 Cleveland Browns visiting the 0-1 New York Jets. The Browns are eighth and final road favorite of the week, two-and-a-half point favorite over the New York Jets. Another situation, much like Atlanta, where this might be in a must-win game for both of these teams. I got to tell you, the Jets were dominating that game last week until C.J. Mosley got hurt. I mean, that was a big they loss really for them. That defense um, looked very, very good early on. Yeah. Um, you know, I think the Browns are going to come out much better. I, 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 I don't know. I think last week the, the hype kind of got to them a little bit. Um, you know, the whole – you know, Odell and Baker and Landry, they really never played together in preseason. So I'm going to give them a mulligan for week one. And I'm going to take, I'm not very confident, but I'm going to take the Browns. Yeah, I'm I'm with you. This was another one of the really tough games on the slate to pick. I don't, I don't feel great about this, but you know, I, I just heading into the season, I felt better about Cleveland than I did the Jets, and I thought the Jets could be a wild card team. I, you know, we we talked about that in all of our preview stuff that they had the potential to get to nine wins and and make the playoffs a wild card. Um, I just look at it like this: I, I mean, the Bills gave the Jets four turnovers last week. They should have right. been thirty to nothing. I mean, they right. literally no, they, made they, seven points. I mean, it was yeah, they they couldn't capitalize. They they couldn't. Um, I, I have Cleveland too, and I, I'm looking at it, and I don't feel great about it. I I feel like I want to switch to the Jets, but I I know yeah, that that's, that's not allowed. That's how I felt too. I just I I don't know. The way I looked at it is if they both would have won last week, I would have picked Cleveland, so they both lost, so I'm going to pick Right. Yeah. All right. Well, I'll stick with the Browns with you. 
that means once again we have three games different this week. Uh, you have Chicago, I have Denver. You have Houston, I have Jacksonville. And you have Indianapolis, I have Tennessee. And that is the week two slate. Polly, I hope that this wasn't uh, too painful for you. Get some rest, my man. You, you, you need it. You deserve it. You have a big game tomorrow night. The Notre Dame Fighting Irish looking to go to 2-0 and on the season. Uh, is that game going to be on TV or not TV? It, um, yeah, you, you, guys, you, guys are on, you guys are on NBC um, opposite, <laughs> of the, opposite of Thursday Night Football. Uh, I, I think it's going to be on the Facebook, but I'm not 100% sure. I mean, again, we're the only game in town, so I would think that they would put us on, but I'm not, I'm not really sure. Uh, you know, it's nice uh, to kid get to play the game on. It's you know Perry's got a nice stadium. They got turf field, so uh, very nice. Get to get to showcase the speed a little bit on the turf tomorrow night. You guys have a lot of it. That was a very impressive week one win that you guys got last week. I will be if it's on. I will be watching for sure. I'll have it up on the laptop. I'll be cheering you guys on while I'm watching Thursday night football. Going to be a good Thursday night, buddy. I hope it's a great one for you. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. All right. We will uh, we'll be back next week to go over the week three slate. Everyone, thank you for listening. Hope you have a great Thursday, Friday, and the rest of your weekend. Enjoy it, guys.